Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And uh, to use the uh, parlance of our times, Matt has some takes and he's got some receipts. <laughs> I don't know if I have that, but but I do have some receipts, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. Um, you know, uh, well, I mean, you know, the, the story I texted you this morning, I guess, is, is the conversation that's come up over the last maybe 48 72 hours about utah and you know the the pushback it seems of some media not all but some media toward you know utah's boring and we don't want utah yet and and i guess i've just uh, you know the thing that resonated with me and of course you know the one that kind of triggered this was Feinbaum, who exists yeah. in order to light people's fire so I'm not even, you know, like he's one, yeah, but I don't even really want to give him the time of day. Um, but, you know, I'm watching the Dan Patrick show this morning and, and one of his guys, uh, you know, Andrew Perloff, who works for SI2, you know, is, is basically, you know, oh, yeah, we all want to see Utah because they, you know, they've, you know, they play such an exciting brand of football and they're always in the mix for national titles. And I'm thinking, well, now, wait a minute, all, all offseason I heard, College football is just so top-heavy, and it's the same teams over and over and over again. And all we can do is Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, and you know, and it's the same group. Well, now we've got this team that's that's a you know an outsider, I guess. You know, I mean, not really that much of an outsider. They were in their conference title game last year, but you know, not a team from the playoffs in the past. And it's as though nobody wants them, and and we'd rather have Oklahoma, who's been in the playoffs you know what, three out of the four years or something like that so far, or three out of five, I guess I should say. Well, the problem, I think, is that Hertz is not Huntley. And so everyone knows Jalen Hurts, and they know the right. story, and they know that he transferred, right. and no one cares that Tyler Huntley's battled injuries all season they and don't. all career and that i mean know. yeah you know, you're 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 100 i mean you're right on that you're right on the and and if you extend that to the programs overall certainly oklahoma is a, a football blue blood they've won you know a, a bunch of national titles in the past they've had heisman trophy winners uh, all americans you know i mean it's it's a powerhouse there's no question and utah's not but that's not how we're i mean you know but again the, the the you know the bemoaning this off season. I read it in the preseason magazines, and I read it in, you know the season preview articles online. Was you know, gosh, it seems like it's the same you know six or eight teams that have a chance every year. And where's the you know where's the depth in college football to give us? Well, you know, Utah is the team that's and Baylor to another extent, and, and you know they're not getting as much talk because they lost to Oklahoma the first time around. But it's the same situation with both of them where it's like we got a couple outsiders and it seems like in general people are disinterested in them. So what do you really want? Yeah, well, and you go down to Baylor at seven and that's all <laughs> one loss or undefeated teams. Right. You know, barring chaos, you would think one of the SEC schools, especially yeah, if LSU sure. beats Georgia – for sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, I think LSU goes into this weekend knowing they are in the playoff. I mean, barring them losing, you know, 59 to nothing or something like that. I mean, some sort of crazy, unbelievable result where Joe Burrow gets hurt and two of their receivers get hurt. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is just not even close to the same team. To me, they, they can withstand a loss 
better than anybody because if they lose, they would be losing to a team that's probably also going to be in the playoffs. Now, I don't think the reverse is true. I think that if LSU beats Georgia and— Georgia's out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Georgia doesn't have—Georgia's got the one loss and hasn't been nearly as impressive as LSU. Uh, you know, I mean, and maybe that's offensive bias. Um, but Georgia's had to win some ugly games. I mean, I, you know, I after Georgia beat A&M, uh, you know, two weeks ago, I might have texted you this. I know I said it to, you know, Georgia was, the, you know, the, the ugliest 10-1 team and now 11-1 team in the land. Uh, they, don't, they don't impress you all that much, but they keep winning. And, and maybe they could do it again, but no, I, I agree. They can't, they can't withstand a second loss. No. Um, so I, I, feel, I feel like if you are on Team Utah, Oklahoma, <laughs> or <laughs> Baylor— or or Wisconsin? Probably not Wisconsin. I don't think so. But, I mean, you know, I guess it's a possibility. Uh, if a lot of things happen, I guess, yeah. But, uh, you know, so if you're one of those, a fan of Utah, Baylor, Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. for these purposes I am a fan of Utah, I want Utah in. Me too. Me I, too. I'm rooting for LSU to beat Georgia, which is against my personal preference. <laughs> mine too, mine too. Yeah, agreed. I, you know, obviously the first – and, and most important domino for Utah is to win tomorrow night. Um, you know, all this conversation becomes null and void if they lose. Um, but if they win tomorrow night, I agree that, that they need to root for LSU. And, and probably before that, just based on time, Baylor. Yeah. It's going to be easier for them to win a, a, beauty, a beauty contest, contest with, with Baylor yep. than Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely true. Um, so you're going to, you're going to want, Obviously, you have to win. If you're out, yeah. if you're out, you're done. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. You know, and I hope they do. I really hope they do. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not an anti-Oregon guy necessarily. Um, you know, if, if Oregon was 11 and one, two would be a different conversation. Obviously, and the winner would have a good chance. But unfortunately, Oregon didn't make it out of Tempe, uh, so that's the way it goes. Um, but you know, I, I just hope they do because I I want them to. I want them to push this. I want this decision to have to be made. And if they lose, then it just becomes, you know, in general, it's going to be um, same old Pac-12. Yeah. Can't, you know, can't come through when it matters most. So I have a, a question for you. If you buy a number of the cheapest ticket for the Pac-12 game, according yeah. to ESPN's tickets as low as... Mm-hmm. How many of those tickets are the equivalent of the one ticket for Army Navy, cheapest in the door price? The Army Navy game is how many times more expensive to get in the door right now? I'm gonna say six. It is six. Is it okay? I was I was thinking between you know five, six, seven, something like that. Yeah, Army but, Navy's got to be a more expensive ticket in the last few years. It, you know, it's really. It seems like it's skyrocketed in terms of you know notice and attention, and and I know the Pac-12 title game on a Friday night at Levi Stadium uh, is you know not a huge draw for uh, the ticket going audience. You're in the door price for that game twenty six American dollars. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, <laughs> for, and there'll be a lot of empty seats, unfortunately. Yeah. 
For comparison's sake, Baylor, Oklahoma, 45. Okay. Memphis, Cincinnati, 27. <laughs> wow. Okay. Georgia, Which LSU. That, that's a home field, too. Yeah. Georgia, LSU, 189. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. Virginia, Clemson, 47. Okay. And Ohio State, Wisconsin, 40. Wow. That's lower than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, obviously, that's, you know, I'm sure that's upper deck, far reaches of the stadium, but still. I would have thought that would be a higher demand. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that does tell you all you need to know about the one conference that really thrives on their conference title game, and that's the SEC. And, and you know, the argument that's been thrown out there since, you know, a couple years ago and last year, and it's been again this year, of like, let's just replace the conference title games with a round of eight. It's a wonderful idea. I love it. But it's going to be real hard to get the SEC on board with that because the SEC title game is a huge thing in that area and that for that conference. Yeah, well, and good luck trying to get CBS to give right. up that game. Right, you know. Because I mean, if you're, just, if you're the uh, casual fan, if you are just a – if you are not dying for the Pac-12 to right. finally make it. So right. set sat- just Saturday – Mm-hmm. I live in Wisconsin. I'm more interested in Georgia LSU than Wisconsin <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people are. You know, that's the it's two top five teams. I don't, I don't truly think it's going to be that good of a game. Um, I mean, I know LSU did get sort of, you know, controlled by Auburn. And if you want to say, you know, comparable defense, Auburn and and um, you know Georgia, that's probably fair. They, they both have have been really good defensively this year. Uh, and so maybe Georgia's got that ability, but just feels like, you know, LSU's weapons, are, you know, especially indoors, you're not going to have any conditions. You're not going to have, you know, yeah, you'll have a lot of Georgia fans, but you'll have a lot of LSU fans too. You know, it's not going to be a road game atmosphere or anything like that. Um, I just feel like they got too much firepower. Georgia just can't keep up to me. I just don't think they can. Yeah. But I mean, we'll see, you know, you never know. Um, obviously, you know, in the in the old days and not so old days of football, you know, you'd say, well, the the dominant defense usually beats the flashy offense, but it doesn't feel that way anymore. And I think that's in part, maybe solely in part, you know, not just part, but solely due to the fact that it's it's easier to play offense than it used to be, yeah. and it's hard to take a really good offense like LSU and hold them down for a full game. Yeah, well, and you know, you just look. Edwards Hilaire's got 1,200 yards and 16 yeah. touchdowns on the ground. But Joe Burrow's got 4,300 yards and 44 touchdowns through the air. Right. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and the three receivers are so good. Uh, I mean, it just, it's just tough. And, well, I you, just, and you can't I say, like, you know, it's funny because in the NFL you still hear it. It's like, well, we're going to shut down this thing and you're going to have to beat us a different way. Right. Well, right. Okay. You want exactly. to just – Rush four and drop seven into coverage. Fine, Edward Solaire will run for two hundred yards. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. They've shown they can adapt. I mean, it was really that Auburn game, uh, which was the you know the day we were in Alabama that kind of you know they did that. Uh, Auburn, you know, went in with an approach of hey, we're going to take away the big play passing game, and that's when Edward Solaire kind of had the breakout game, and he's been really good since. You know, a great game against Alabama. Um, you know, so they. They just – it just feels like they got too much firepower for Georgia who doesn't have much firepower. That's the thing. I mean, I think LSU can be beaten, 
but I don't think it's by a team like Georgia. I think it's by Ohio State or Clemson. I, I really think those are the only two teams I see that have the offense and the defense to potentially beat LSU. Yeah, Georgia's averaging 32, almost 33 points per game, but that is inflated by the 52-7 to beatdown <laughs> of Georgia say. Tech. And then a couple early season games against, you know, Murray State and Arkansas State or something like that. I think, you know, they scored 60-plus. Yeah. Uh, you know, against against good opponents, their offense has been a slog. Um, you know, uh, Reese Davis, I know, has used this as a joke analogy. It's, you know, Georgia's offense is the, you know, the mid-sized rental car of offenses. You know, they, they'll get you there, but it's not luxurious and it's not flashy, uh, you know, and, and that's what it's been. And I just, I don't think that's good enough against LSU. It's good enough against Florida, Auburn, you know, teams that maybe don't have the explosive offense to, to put up enough points on that Georgia D, which is really good. But it just feels like if LSU can score you know, 28, that's more than enough. Yeah. You know, you look at what they've given up, and 17 to Notre Dame, 17 to Florida, 14 yeah. to Auburn. But none of those offenses are what LSU's do. Are LSU's, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it's a good defense. It definitely is. And, and I, I don't think they'll – I don't necessarily think they're going to lose, you know, 52 to 17 or something like that. You know, I think they can keep it moderately interesting. But I guess it to me it feels like it might be not I mean not exactly in final score, but a game similar to our game at Utah, where you know you might go into the fourth and they're down by you know ten, fourteen something like that. You think well, you know boy if they could just put together one drive this could get interesting, and they'll not be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, there'll be you know a two score separation, and they'll. Probably never get closer. Than, yeah, I don't. Than I don't see it. I mean, it just it's it's just been a rough go for them offensively, and you know their number one receiver Cager is out, and their top freshman he's out for the first half after the fight last week. Um, and, you know, even with those two guys, the offense has been a struggle against you know good competition, and so you take you know one of them out for the entire game, one of them out for the first half. It seems like a bad situation, and I know you know Swift is hurt too. He's supposed to play. But he got injured last week against Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's it's going to be a a hard road to hoe for that team. It is, it is. I mean, yeah, but you know, going back to kind of you know where you started, I, I agree. I mean, I think Georgia has to win it. Uh, I you know I know last year they had you know they they played Alabama so well and they had a you know they had a case and they ended up being fifth in the rankings to you know take them with two losses. You know, last year was different. Their only loss was to LSU on the road. LSU was a you know a top ten team. This year, you've got a home loss to South Carolina, who was who went four and eight. I don't think you can withstand a second loss. Yeah, I mean the only the only way that happens is if you know Utah loses, and you know I mean I, I don't see because I was going to say I mean, Oklahoma loses, but if Oklahoma loses, Baylor probably gets that spot. Yeah, yeah you know so. I mean, I, I just don't see them really having much of a case. I think should Georgia lose, they're probably headed back where they were last year, which is the Sugar Bowl as the you know second SEC team. Yeah, uh, Clemson should handle Virginia. They are twenty-eight and a half point favorites. 
it's crazy, right? But I mean, conference it, it, title know. game against a top twenty-five team, and they yeah. are better than a four-touchdown yeah. favorite. <laughs> it's kind kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we'll we'll see. You know, I'm. I guess for me, I'm always still maybe stuck in that mindset of the first few years of conference title games when there were always crazy upsets. Uh, you know, the, the first the first year of the BCS, I remember uh, Kansas State lost to Texas A and M. And, and then a few years later, Oklahoma was, you know, rolling along and they lost to K-State big, got, got blown out by K-State, who was not a great team at that year. Um, but that hasn't happened lately. You know, it seems like you know, recent history, those those aren't happening. But I still am like, I always brace for them because it just feels like, you know, conference title game weekend, there were enough of them early that I always think like, well, you know, could Virginia pull an upset? Yeah, maybe. You wouldn't bet on it, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I hope not. I mean, I, I want to, I want to see Clemson in. I want to see, you know, want to see LSU. I want to see Ohio State. To me, those have been the three superior teams all year, and so I'm hoping that they, you know, continue to look that way. And then let's see, well, you know, let's see who the best is when they have to play each other. Yeah, I think, I think I, I don't care as long as Utah gets in. I, I'd be very... I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, if if I could have it my way. Basically, the favorites just need to win every game except maybe the Big 12 game. Um, you know, if, if it's Ohio State, Utah, and LSU, Clemson, uh, I'll sign up for those two games right now. But, you know, wouldn't wouldn't bother me a bit. Yeah. Um, so other football news, the Sun Devils are, are not a lock to get Hugh Jackson. Uh, there's now a couple other names. The offensive coordinator yeah. from Oregon State. Uh, Brian Lindgren seems to be moving up the rankings, and Oregon State played well this year, especially compared we to expectations. It. So, yeah, I mean, we we saw it firsthand that you know, especially offensively, they did have a good year, and, and you know, so that's an intriguing name. Now, I, you know, it's one of those where you think if you're Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, you 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 know, want to try to keep that guy there, unless he was going for a promotion. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I, you know, I don't know what his contract situation is. I don't. You know, it's hard to say. But now he's, you know, he's going to be head coach. Sure, you can't do anything about that. But um, you wouldn't necessarily want to lose your offensive coordinator to a conference rival. But yeah. maybe they have no choice if if the guy wants to. Yeah. Speaking of guys leaving to become head coaches, uh, worth noting: Billy Napier, Sun Belt Coach of the Year. Yeah, I and, saw, uh, and, and apparently uh, on the you know on the radar for Ole Miss at least I heard um, as is Mike Norvell, yeah. another one of our former OCs. Um, yeah, I mean you know you and I have made that drive from Memphis to we have Oxford we have yes I, uh, I I saw that you I think you retweeted somebody who said that you know not too long ago, and you know and when I first heard the name mentioned I even thought well you know easy two hour drive. Mm-hmm. Not really that easy, but but you know, not bad. Uh, you know, take you through some winding roads, but you can get there. Yeah. Um, the other big news: it's obviously this is the live period for the next nine days for recruiting, <clears throat> and then there's a dead period before the December 18th early signing. Uh, ASU one-time commit for both football and basketball, or uh, football and baseball rather, Blake yeah. Chapin uh, from Louisiana has announced that he's reopening. His recruiting, I, I don't know if this has to do with Rob Likens being let go or something to do with baseball, but I'm going to assume it's football-related. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you know, you, you wonder if it's just come down to as simple as thinking 
you know, we got a freshman quarterback who's likely to be our starter the next two years. And, you know, these guys always, you know, recruits don't often sign up to ride the pines for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more often than not, they think they come in and play right away. And if he's getting the feeling that's not an option, maybe that's why the change. Uh, there will be more news, I assume, trickling out in the next couple of weeks as far as commitments go in front of the signing period. I know that uh, the Sun Devils probably need a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, if we can, if we can keep, you know, Yellen and Young both on the roster, and you got three, okay, you're not in bad shape. But that, you know, again, same idea. Um, you know, and Joey Yellen played well in the one game he played. And so, is he going to be content to be, you know, second banana for the next two years potentially? I mean, that's what you'd think. You know, based on what we've seen from Jaden Daniels, now things change, and you know, you never know. But it seems unlikely, and and so yeah, you know, you, you got to have depth. Yeah, you know, well, they need and to- I, ideally, sometime in the next two years, you would think that you could get a red shirt for Yellen, if not this year. I don't know if he. Well, they should be able to get year. it for this year, right? Didn't he only play two games? Is that it? Okay. That, uh, he I knew, started the USC game, obviously, played that. Well, and he played one he of played the early seasons. UCLA. Did but, he play early season at all? Uh, didn't he come in and take snaps in, in uh, the first non-conference game? I didn't I think? think he did. Uh, oh, no, I, it was, I mean, I you know what, wrong. I'm getting confused because it was Ethan Long. It was, yeah, I remember we did, play, yes, yes. But, Ethan Long you can't get one because he played, I think, nine or ten games with special teams or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I think Yellen only played twice, so I think you could – get him that redshirt year this year and if that's the case then what you're telling him is that it's you know you sit to play two. yeah 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 i mean if he's willing to to ride that out that'd be great um you know and, and he's shown he's a, a solid player when called upon and well, obviously and you know daniels is not a big dude i was gonna say you know obviously we saw daniels already got injured once and had to miss a game and so it, you know yeah it, it would be nice to keep him in the fold and hopefully he will but yeah you know i mean you need to i think you need to find somebody in this class even if it's a guy who you know is a, a three-star or somebody who you know is probably just going to be a long-term backup for you that's okay and maybe they develop into something more. You never know. I mean, the, the Taylor Kelly obviously is a great example. Um, but yeah, you, you need somebody there uh, because you know we we have uh, you know obviously we lost Sterling Cole. We had a gap between classes with nobody, and then we got three, and that's great. But we all knew, I believe, that it was not likely you're going to be able to keep all three of those for the duration of their careers. Um, and I still feel that way. They're all still here now, which is great, but feels like that's tenuous. Mm-hmm. So there's some other non-football stuff that I wanted to just touch on. Okay. Um, but do you have any more football stuff you want to touch on? Well, the, the other you know Pac-12 news of the week was Clay Helton um, yes. being retained at USC. And, I mean, and Mike Leach did get an extra. Mike Leach, yeah, got an, got an extra year. But Helton's um, the Helton's the more surprising one. It is surprising. It is especially given just the theme of their entire season was basically, oh, who are they going to get to replace Clay Helton? Well, apparently it's no one. Um, but I guess the thing that's been interesting to me, and I don't know if if you have 
noticed it or thought the same thing or, you know, but the, uh, you know, usually when a, when a coach is, is by all accounts, a good guy, maybe not a great coach, but you know, decent guy, decent with the media, the, the media folks are eager to defend him and eager to say, Oh, come on, you got to be more patient, give it time. And it's been the opposite with this. I've read a lot of different, you know, I read Stuart Mandel and Pat Forty and, you know, and, and it's like, man, the vitriol told, like, well, what are they doing keeping Clay Helton? Like, why do they hate him so much? I don't quite get it. Well, and Arash Markazi, like, just lit him up on Twitter. Did he? Uh, see, I didn't even see that. Yeah, um, let me see if I can find his tweet okay. from earlier. So he's he is a columnist for the L.A. Times. So this right, is what, right. you know, what he does. Yeah. And he said something to the effect of, with a recruiting class this bad, yeah, and, and all of these things, this is what we're choosing, you know. Oh, yeah, here, let I me mean, here it is. This is his tweet okay. from yesterday. Okay, I'm glad USC brought in a new president and a new AD to keep a football coach hired by the previous regime that has gone 13 and 11 over the past two seasons and currently has a recruiting class ranked outside the top 65. Period. I mean, and I, and I guess that's true. I mean, obviously, those are facts. They did go 13 and 11 the past two seasons. Um, but, okay, that's a little selective because if you go back to the two years prior to that and give us the full four years he's been the full-time coach, he's 34 and 17. Which, granted, at USC is not the greatest record ever. Well, and also, but it's a 667 winning percentage. But not this the worst is. Thing. But isn't that, though, the Dennis Erickson fallacy? Like, as soon as it becomes his guys, it's gotten worse and worse. I suppose, I mean, you're, that's a fair point. I guess for me, I look at it and think, okay, he's been there four years. Uh, I mean, four and a half because he was the interim coach, but we'll yeah. just say the four years he's been full-time coach. He's won two-thirds of his games. He won a conference title his second year. His first year, they got to a Rose Bowl and won. Second year, they got to the Cotton Bowl. Lost, but, you know, two major bowls. Had one bad year, no doubt. Bad year last year, five and seven. It's horrendous. And, you know, I mean, that's, I, yeah. But then this year, bounces back to go 8-4. and four. Again, not great, yeah, but beat Utah. not the worst thing in the world. You know, 7-2 and two in the conference. Um, yeah, beat Utah. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm conflicted on it because I don't, I'm not necessarily sitting here saying like, oh, Clay Helton's great and just you wait, he's going to prove everybody wrong. But what I am, I guess, is surprised by just the general, like, anger toward this decision like it's just the dumbest thing ever i i don't see that i i can see the rationale for keeping him especially if and i, I don't know this we'll never know because you know he's not gonna say but if this new ad maybe had one or two guys in mind and it looked like well i'm not gonna get those one or two guys keep the guy you got it wasn't so bad you have to get rid of it you know eight and four is not a terrible season and you know their offense was certainly much better this year Got a good year out of a true freshman quarterback. Um, you know, I the way it ended, I, I if I'm a USC fan, I would have thought, well, if we can't hit the home run with a new hire, why not keep the guy who at least gives us a chance to, you know, get a seeing eye single and get ourselves on base, basically. I want to read you both because I think it's a clever lead and because I, I, I just think it's... yeah. This was Marcazzi's column opener. Okay, okay. Mike Bond's first decision at USC was always going to be his easiest. As the new athletic director hired by the new president, 
His task was to move on from Clay Helton and hire a football coach who would turn around an apathetic fan base and an anemic recruiting class. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, just put it out and, there. Uh, I assume he then goes on to say he failed at that first decision. Oh yeah, he. I mean, it goes on. It wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, finishing I I, better I, than this, you know, finishing better than this, and having a better recruiting class is seemingly a prerequisite to keeping your job at USC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. And I know USC fans hold hold the program to a higher standard than say ASU fans do, and they, and they you know, history supports that. Um. And, and I'm not saying I would have, if they had gotten rid of him, I'm not saying I would have been like, oh, that was a terrible decision. You know, you just made a stupid move. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, there was a guy, and, and I don't I don't know this guy at all. He was on Dan Patrick this morning. I'm Scott Wolf. He's a, you know, USC writer, I guess. Not for USC, obviously, based on what he said. But, you know, covers USC. Now, he may be a hot take artist. I don't know. But, you know, he, he, he said, literally, you know, they, they should have just hired a mannequin. He could have done less damage than Clay Helton has done to the program. I'm thinking, like, okay, the, his predecessor was fired for a drinking problem where he was apparently drunk during a game, or more than one game. That guy's predecessor was Lane Kiffin. And, I, you know, we don't even really need to go into detail about Lane Kiffin. Although we, when, we will, because Lane Kiffin had a closed-door meeting with the University of Arkansas and then did, backed away did, from and, that because the Ole Miss job came open. Right. And he may become, you know, but Lane Kiffin at USC was a disaster. I mean, they were preseason number one and finished seven and six. Um, you know, so, like, is Clay Helton really that bad? I mean, compared to the two guys he succeeded, I'd say he's pretty solid. Now, is he Pete Carroll? No. You know, I, I get that. And I know that they expect, you know, Pete Carroll-level dominance. Um, but, again, I, I, you know, we talked about this uh, maybe in the offseason or something. I mean, I look at it – I look at USC football and I think, are we are we looking at UCLA basketball, where they each had a nice little run of, of really good play about ten years ago, um, but outside of that, in the last mm, 25, 30 plus years, they really haven't been that great, and we're riding on a reputation from the sixties and seventies and eighties, and again, outside of a you know, for USC football is about a seven year window, for UCLA basketball is about a four year window that level of success hasn't been there for quite a while. Yeah, true. And so I don't know. I mean, I, no USC fan is going to be like, yeah, you know, you're right. Let's just accept eight, four is good. But I don't know. Well, I'm and you're not, you're it. not saying eight and four should be acceptable, but what you're no. saying is this is always the question, right? You can, you can go move on. That's yeah. for sure. You can fire Clay Helton. Sure, you can. But what are you going to get? Because yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't think you're going to get Urban Meyer. And also, I with mean, all of the problems that you were talking about with Sark, uh, right. Urban Meyer didn't leave Ohio State because everything was great and he no. went out on top. <laughs> exactly. Nor did he leave Florida that way. I mean, Urban Meyer brings the drama. He brings success, but he brings the drama. And he left both places – in shaky circumstances. Um, now, Ohio State had enough talent and a coach ready to take over that apparently it hasn't, you know, they've, they've weathered the storm. But Florida didn't. Florida's just getting back on its feet, you know, 10 years later, basically, from the, you know, the way things ended with Urban Meyer. They were great for the most of the time he was there, but the way it ended wasn't great. And then he turned tail and ran. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, who, and that's, that's, I guess, what I'm getting at. And I'm thinking, just based on the timing of this, that the AD spent the last three or four days, you know, thinking, okay, who can I get? Mm-hmm. And that's why he didn't announce on Sunday we're keeping Clay Helton, but rather on Wednesday, because he probably took 72 hours to scour the market and found, I can't really find anybody I think is better. And again, okay, he kept Clay Helton. Doesn't mean he can't make this move next year. It's well, not like by not firing him now that you're committed to him for another seven years. Yeah. Well, and the other part is, there are there are good coaches, and USC is a good job. I, sure, I believe both sure. of those things to be true. Agreed. But USC is not a place, historically, that has prided itself on taking the hotshot up-and-coming coordinator. Right, right. That's not sure. what they do. So maybe a guy like Mike Norvell – would be mm-hmm. interesting to them, who's got head coaching experience, has a team ranked in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I don't think, you know, they would be interested in this Oregon State coordinator, for no, example. Or the uh, or the OC at Oklahoma. It, it's not their, right. you know. And, and the problem it's is, not. you know, they, they could go full Jerry Jones and try to back the truck up for one of these guys, but so can all the other colleges. Exactly. But, you know? They can exactly, pay. Yeah. They can offer Nick Saban a bajillion dollars, but much like Calipari at Kentucky, Alabama will just match it. They don't exactly care. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that is one of the things when I, you know, when I say, well, it's been a while since USC's had this. You know, yeah, I know USC is USC, and 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 there is an appeal to that. You know, but is there as much of an appeal as we think there is when you're recruiting or when you're trying to get a coach? Because you know, you're, you're playing in the Coliseum granted just renovated, but it's, it's still, it's still an older place. It's, you know, if you're recruiting a kid who's also being recruited by Ohio state and Alabama and LSU, and they go see their places, they're going to be more wowed by those places. How about Oregon? Oregon. Yeah. True. True. Or Washington. Uh, you know, I mean, places right in your own conference that have, you know, more impressive facilities and certainly Oregon's got the Nike connection. I mean, you know, I, I certainly am not saying like, oh, USC, boy, they're run down and ragged and they have no hope. And No, I mean, it, they can be good. But I think in some ways maybe there's an expectation that USC is going to be what they were in the 70s with John McKay. And I just don't see that being the case. Um, can you have a run like Pete Carroll did? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, hey, so it, rules it, it if, if you don't want to follow rules, true, true, you, that helps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which you know, was kind I, of what we talked about with Memphis basketball. Just okay. Right. Well, he's playing, right. so whatever yeah, you're going to do, going for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and who knows? I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I like I said, I I get both sides of it. I just you know sometimes you you and I've discussed stories that I've said this before. I know that sometimes I'm more interested by the coverage of it than the story itself. And this is one that I just, I'm really surprised by the fact that by all accounts, this guy's a, you know, decent guy, you know, treats people well, players like him, media, you know, he hasn't run afoul of the media. Like, well, you know, and he's, he's been accessible to all these people who've told he them he should be fired. <laughs> he has. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, like, you, you know, he's not a, he's not a Nick Saban. 
who has, you know, nasty sniping comments at his press conferences or anything like that. I mean, like if Nick Saban falls on hard times, I could absolutely see that, you know, some of these media folks will turn on him and because, yeah, they've, they've had to deal with his, you know, grumpy old man act for several years and it'll be like, oh, we can finally get our comeuppance. But Clay Helton doesn't come off as that guy, but boy, there, there just seems to be a eager appetite to, you know, crush him. And I guess I just don't get it. I'm surprised by it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm with you. So, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we'll see. I don't, you know, I, I was surprised that they did it. Um, although not by the end, like by, by the time it was announced yesterday, it didn't surprise me. If you had told me three weeks ago, I would have said, no, no way he's gone. Um, but it seemed to be trending in that direction. Uh, my, my lighter side that I want to end on. Yes. The angels are buying their stadium and the surrounding parking lots from the city of Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I saw that. It is costing them less than Mike Trout's contract. <laughs> is it really? I didn't yeah. realize that. 350 to 325. Wow. Okay. Um, so if I'm Mike Trout, do I want to just own the stadium? Like, do I renegotiate my deal? I'll take $25 million <laughs> plus the stadium and parking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a intriguing thought, and he probably could if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Rename the stadium, use it in my free time, move, yeah. you know, build a house in there, move in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he could, I suppose. Uh, you know, it seems like... Uh, they were willing to give him whatever he wanted, so if he said he wanted that, probably would happen. Yeah. So that was my that was my non uh, non college football thing that discussion. I wanted to. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I had not seen that portion. I did hear the story, but I had not seen the amount. Yeah. So I, I just I thought that was fun. Like that's that's how absurd baseball contracts are, which leads to the the sad points of baseball is having some problems. The free, free agencies happen. Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal were able to sign contracts. Saw that. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's been a few so, signings. Yeah, but, yeah uh, a little bit more than last year. Yeah, but they're still staring down the barrel of some problems. Uh, yeah. The Tampa Bay Rays have announced they're not going to play half their games in Montreal. Um, Which is, you know, completely logical and thankful that that plan died a quick death. But uh, just wait, because in 2027, if you wanted if you wanted to buy some new Expos gear, just wait, because that's, that's when they're going. That's well, that's when they're allowed to leave. Is that, is that when the deal's up? OK, I didn't I didn't know the exact year. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, hey, I would be all for it. You know, they, they should go back there or not. go. They don't they wouldn't go back there. Baseball would go back there, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, the, the halfway arrangement was just ridiculously dumb. Just go all the way with it. Well, it didn't work when the Expos played half their games in Puerto Rico and guys were getting hurt, slipping on right. the concrete and whatnot. So, right, right. This yeah. is yeah. This is better than that. But you've got those problems. But but a bigger problem is baseball keeps making more and more money. the The teams are getting smarter, and I don't I don't have an objection to this. And this is something the players are going to have to deal with. I think, which is you used to be rewarded for what you did when you were young. When you got yeah. old. And now what happened is teams are like, well, I'll get slightly less production from this 24-year-old for the, the league minimum. 
Right. And you will go sign somewhere else, and that'll be tough for us, but we'll be fine. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think you're yeah. going to start seeing a fundamental shift as far as wanting a, a higher minimum. Obviously, they're going to expand the rosters to at least 26. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and do more to try to spread the money around and, and raise it. Because if you're not going to get it on the back end, you certainly have to get it on the front end. And, yeah. and on the flip side, the teams are getting smarter. They're paying exorbitant amounts for the elite, and they are paying nothing for the guys who are good anymore. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. You know, baseball's always had an interesting structure compared to, you know, when you compare it to football and basketball, of the control that teams have over guys early in their careers. Um, you know, there, there is no, uh, you know, you don't sign a three year deal when you're drafted and then you're, you know, like you have in football, these guys sign four year deals, fifth year option. If you're a first round pick and then you go into free agency, you might get franchise or whatever, but you got your chance to make big money. Baseball's got control over you for a long time. Cause I don't, you have to have six years of service time yeah. in the big leagues. It's your seven. It's your seventh year. You get, arbitration after year three unless you're a super two and then it's three years of control under arbitration yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean it it, you know and that's not even counting your minor league time which may be you know three four years depending on how quickly you develop and ascend so well and oh by the way the the super two rule it which the teams that was the first thing teams figured out was oh yeah yeah, well we're gonna play uh luis soho at short uh, because we right. think he gives us a better chance to win until May 1st. And then right. after May right. 1st, we think that our elite level prospect gives yes. us. Yes, know. it's the, uh, you know, what the, the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, I know. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's other teams who have yeah. done it. I mean, the um, Yankees did it with a number of their guys. Right. The, there was somebody the, just this past year. Um, well, the Brewers effectively did it with uh, Keston Hira. They didn't call yeah. him up until the middle yeah. of the year. The uh, oh, it was um, it was Vlad Jr. this yeah. past year. Now he was hurt, but they were going to do it. They, yeah. You know, they were going to send him down rather than you know have him up in the big leagues to start the year. So, yeah, I mean that that's a loophole. You figure that the players' association is going to try to close in this next deal uh, because yeah, teams have certainly figured that out. And and you know, it, I mean, it makes sense from the team perspective. You know, and, you know, I remember the Cubs took a lot of heat for it with Chris Bryant. But it was like 15 days. They brought him up on like April 16th, and he played the rest of the year, and he won Rookie of the Year, and they made the playoffs. Like, well, that wasn't a bad idea at all. Yeah, the person who lost on that was Chris Bryant. Right. The Cubs didn't lose on that deal. No, Uh, they did not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember that, oh, this, you know, the Cubs think they can make the playoffs, and they're going to, you know, it's like, it's 15 games. Like, I mean, can can they ride the storm? And they did, and they ended up making the playoffs that year, and the next year won the World Series. So it didn't hurt them. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I remember that too. But uh, yeah, yeah. I just like to, I just like to say that every now and again to remind myself it really happened. Yeah, it's like well, it's like Peyton Manning's second Super Bowl. Every now and again, I, I have to like you know just say that in a sentence. Like, yeah, Peyton Manning won a second Super Bowl. Like, yeah, he did. How about that? Yeah. Well, now we've each had the thing that makes us happy. You got to talk about Peyton Manning and the Cubs winning, and I got to talk <laughs> about Mike Trout. <laughs> uh, being worth more than the stadium. Yeah, yeah, there's a few of those things that, like you know, uh, you know. I mean, the, the latest one is for me, Tiger Woods Masters. Like you know, there's just been a few times. Like you know, Tiger Woods won the Masters this year. How about that? I like that. Yeah, makes me smile. 
Well, we'll talk about more things that make Matt smile, including whether <laughs> ASU winds up in the Sun Bowl or the Holiday Bowl. That's uh, right. We'll find out here in, uh, well, about less than 72 hours, I guess. We'll know everyone's bowl destination. And uh, selfishly, I'm hoping the Sun Bowl, since I am tentatively planning to go. And hopefully I can see the uh, Sun Devils in person one more time this year. I hope that, too. That's my holiday wish to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> that means a lot. Until next me deep down. <laughs> I, wh- I don't even want to know where. Until next time, he's Matt. <laughs> I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>